is now reclining away from the Falcon 9. All right. We should be just about live here. I'm trying to make sure that we've got all of the audio coming through. And uh, really excited about this, guys. All right. We should be just about live here. I'm trying to make sure that we've got all of the audio. Oh, yeah. All right. So, liftoff is in just a couple minutes here. Okay, we're at T-minus two minutes, 42 seconds. Stage one lock load is closed out. Stage two will continue to load for about another half a minute or so. Once we get the completion of stage two locks loading, we have to vent down the line so you'll see another large white cloud coming off of the strong rack. That'll be normal. That'll happen around T-minus one minute and 40 seconds. We're going on internal power now. Just a few seconds away from the stage two locks load being complete. It's been almost nine years since we've been in this position. A lot of work done by thousands of people to get to this point. All our eyes focus on two now. Stage two lock flow is closed out. Propellant spells are complete. Starting is in auto idle. Stage two lock flow is complete. All fuel, all It is about to happen, ladies and gentlemen. One minute thirty four seconds. It is about to happen. Prime gas closeouts is starting. We are about to be in space again. Really excited about this. Cannot wait. Uh, but thank you guys so much for joining us. We uh, are doing a little bit of a different type of intro to our podcast, Total Media Live. This event was happening the same day. I figure why not go ahead and start off our show. Here we go. We're in the countdown. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Under a minute now, the FTS, the flight termination system, has been armed. Under a minute. Dragon, SpaceX, go for launch. Guys, we are good for launch, SpaceX is what we are being told. We're good for launch. Let's light this candle. Let's light this candle. Wow. Watching history, ladies and gentlemen. T-minus 30 seconds. We are watching history. This is tremendous. Um, as the countdown goes down... What a tremendous event to be happening in the middle of all this chaos that we've got going on, especially in America, uh, you know, with the riots going on. What a tremendous moment. Four, three, two, one. Wow. This is tremendous. In the midst of all this chaos, we are watching a tremendous accomplishment. Wow. I don't... I'm speechless, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. 
Could you imagine going that fast? 700 miles an hour. 770 miles an hour. 800 miles an hour. I mean, goodness gracious. You know, it, it reminds you of what a lot of people have felt every time these launches happen. If we can do something like this, if we can shoot something from the ground into outer space with the amount of teamwork and and knowledge, I mean, unbelievable. Did you guys, like, look at how it's kind of, like, shaking as it's accelerating. I mean, we're up to 1,800 miles per hour. And they're just relaxed. 2,200 miles per hour. My bad, kilometers. This is kilometers, so this is actually a different mile per hour. They just kind of talked about that. Oh, my goodness. Right now, everything continuing to look good. Next major event coming up is going to be the triple. Oh. I mean, look at the shot of that. Look at how it's just leaving the clouds behind. Coming up in about 20 this, seconds. Wow. M1D throttle down. Wow. Over 5,500 kilometers per hour. You heard we're throttling down the Merlin engine on the first stage. This is truly spectacular. And we have Miko. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much for, for joining us for this unbelievable moment. If you're listening later uh, to our recorded podcast, if you haven't seen the footage, unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in outer space. It's It's no longer on this planet. I mean, that's incredible. Imagine how hype these guys are knowing what just happened and everything actually worked out. And, and this is just the launch. They still have to operate. You know, they still have to come back eventually. I mean, this is just such a small part of the journey. Wow. Truly breathtaking. Oops. Turns out I have uh, cut my hand. <laughs> I looked down and saw a bunch of blood. I was like, uh, <laughs> well, I guess it was when I was unplugging something, huh? That's unfortunate. I guess I will have to, uh, clean that up. But wow. Wow. What an, an incredible image. What a time for, for to be alive, just to be real honest. Even though things are as crazy as they are, 
and we're going to talk about that in the podcast. You know, we can't neglect it. Uh, I haven't necessarily uh, given any thoughts publicly, so. Wow. We're about five mi- five minutes in here. They're in they're in orbit, uh, and the view is incredible that we are seeing live. I mean, this is just this is one of those unbelievable things that we we get to witness as human beings. Up on your right screen, you can see that first stage with the grid fins deployed. It's making its way back to Pensacola land on our drone ship. Of course, I still love you today. We're just about a minute. Uh, a couple minutes away from the entry burn, and that's where three of the nine Merlin engines do ignite to help slow the vehicle down as it All right. back into the Earth. I am going to go ahead and go clean this up. Hopefully it only takes me about two minutes, but you guys will be able to uh, see all of uh, the images that you want to see. So uh, go ahead and continue to enjoy this incredible moment. Uh, I'll be right back. And then on your right screen is that first stage booster coming back towards our drone ship. Of course, I still love you. We're about a minute away from entry burn. While that second stage continuing to power Dragon into orbit, Keeping an eye on that timer. That's going to continue to burn until 8 minutes and 44 seconds into flight. So a little over two minutes from now, we'll hear the call out. Seco will then be a little over three minutes until Dragon physically separates from the second stage of the Falcon 9 after the upper Dragon stage gets SpaceX, a chance to trajectory. Dragon copy, nominal trajectory. Continuing to check in with Bob and Doug. Just about 10 seconds away from that first stage, starting that entry burn on your right screen. You should be able to see that live. And there is that entry burn beginning. This burn lasts about 36 seconds long. Stage 2, actual system. Actually, just within a few seconds of each other. Such a cool view on your left screen, seeing Bob and Doug on Dragon. And now you can see the displays that they are seeing right now themselves. Coming up 25 seconds or so away from Seco, the second engine cutoff. It's also the point where Bob and Doug are experiencing their highest G-force. We're seeing the counter pick up to right about 1.8. Bobby Shannon. 
you heard Shannon say that just means they're in their final abort zones. If they were to abort at this point, that would mean the birds would land off the coast of Ireland. Standing by for Kevin. There's one line on Florida. Ambex are all set. Ambex shut down. There's one line on. Confirmation of Seco's second engine cutoff. Now we are waiting for our first stage to make its way to our drone ship of course at the levee. Dragon SpaceX nominal orbital insertion. What you're seeing on your screen is a live view of our drone ship, where our first stage will be coming down. Looks like we lost that live view, but we'll wait for confirmation of that landing shortly here. And there you can see on your screen, Falcon 9 has landed. Okay. Wow. So it landed back. Where that's incredible. That's incredible. Oh my goodness. Like so far, everything that they have wanted to do, it seems like has been successful. So, pretty cool. So, they are still trying to deploy. That is the next stage that they're, it seems like they're trying to accomplish. And if I was trying to guesstimate how long that would be, uh, let's see, I guess we're looking at two minutes, three minutes. Okay. They do wait until they have full confirmation that it is ready to separate. Wow. Such cool views. I cannot get over this view that we are seeing right now. Bob and Doug on the right screen inside of Crew Dragon out in space. Yeah, already 200 kilometers over planet Earth, or a little over 124 miles. Just remember, though, there are people that are still skeptical about space yeah i'm not quite sure how you can be skeptical after watching this now whether or not the whole you know 1969 landing and and that is is obviously uh something that a lot of people debate which is again quite quite hard to it's quite hard to uh, see that kind of conspiracy being true. Are there a lot of interesting points? Sure. Dragon separation confirmed. Dragon separation confirmed. Wow. What a view. That's incredible. And there's that call out. Dragon is now officially making its way to the International Space Station today. So this trip... All the way to the International Space Station, from what I remember, what they were saying earlier, will, will be a bit longer. 
So this might be kind of con- wrapping up our coverage here. That was incredible. Wow. Incredible. Let's, uh, wow. Uh, what an incredible moment. Once again, in the midst of all this chaos, we find a way to do something that still is incredible. What if this is the start of a lot of good things happening over the next few weeks? That would be great. <laughs> be a great turnaround. <laughs> docking ring and the hatch that they're going to be going through once they attach to the International Space Station and also four of those Draco thrusters we call them the forward bulkhead thrusters that are going to be used for these major phase burns or firings of those thrusters to actually raise their orbit gradually over the coming hours also heard good activation of the Eclipse that's the environmental control and life support system that's everything control what a shot keeping Dragon a nice incredible view environment where they're going to be living for the next 19 hours until they arrive at the space station right exactly <laughs> Falcon his job may be done all the work that we have to do just to get into space Dragon's job is not that's done. uh it's truly all inspiring wow before they dock tomorrow morning I don't know what to say, ladies and gentlemen. I love that we can get these live views here and see and watch what they're doing now that they are in orbit. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to just be looking over their shoulder <laughs> as we be along for the ride. And we're going to be with them, and we're going to be with all of you the entire way for their journey to the space station. We're going to be covering live throughout. Bob and Doug will obviously have a sleep period. Yeah. They'll get about eight hours of sleep a little bit later today. It's going to be a while. Wake up for all of their final approach. Uh, one of the major things we are looking forward to in the next couple of hours is going to be their first turn at the controls. So they're actually well, going to be using those touchscreen displays to take control. Ladies and gentlemen, Pilot Dragon will walk you through what that's going to look like. And I can't believe what we just witnessed. And um, we will be wrapping up our coverage of the SpaceX live watch launch with nasa uh wow what a way to start our podcast today and i couldn't think of really a a more unique event to cover i i think that this is probably the most unique thing that i've seen in my entire life and and I, i don't i don't know that it's close because i mean it, look at the live, you know, 
shot of their offices there at and NASA. And I want you to realize how many masks are on, uh, the fact that, you know, literally they're social distancing. You've got that going on in the middle of one of the most incredible events that we've ever had in mankind's history. I mean, think about how many times, you know, human beings have sent something to space successfully. And then think about how many times we've done it with human beings on board. And that's just one of those things that when you watch it, it's inspiring. And I couldn't think of a better thing to happen in the midst of all the that that's going on right now. But I want to welcome everybody to the Total Media Podcast. And if you wanted to fast forward, I will try to make a note that, uh, let's see, it took us about, I don't know, maybe 21 minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make note of that, but about 21 minutes to get to the official podcast. I guess it'll probably be closer to about 19. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to do some math. But thank you guys for joining us for another episode. Uh, have been working behind the scenes. A lot of incredible guests lined up. I can't wait to bring them to you. Uh, but today was just such a unique thing that we wanted to go ahead and do. And uh, we figured we would start the show off with a incredible historic event. So hopefully you enjoyed that. If you haven't seen the video footage uh, of SpaceX and NASA teaming up to shoot humans into space uh, for the first time in quite a while, then you should definitely check it out because I'm telling you, it's uplifting. Uh, it's uplifting for a lot of reasons. And I think one of those reasons that, you know, it's inspiring is because there's a lot of chaos going on right now in the United States. And if you're an American, you've seen it on the news. If you live uh, on planet Earth, you probably have heard about it. Uh, but we might as well start the show off by talking about uh, what's going on across the country, uh, including in Nashville today. But there are a lot of protests going on, and some of these protests are turning violent. Some of these protests are starting peaceful and then turning violent. Uh, some of these protests are including riots and looting. Uh, it's incredible uh, in, in the midst of this entire pandemic that some people have completely decided to, I guess, forget about it, kind of push to the side for the moment. Uh, there's quite a lot going on. And so we're going to try our best here to bring you a little bit of coverage on that and try to talk about that a little bit from a few different perspectives. But like I said, guys, it's been a wild ride for the past 20, the past entire year. And basically what's going on is there was a African-American brutally murdered in on film uh, via cell phone coverage and the police officer that uh, is being charged with third degree murder uh, went ahead and had his knee uh, on the person's neck that is now deceased. And that has basically led to a lot of riots across different parts of Minneapolis. And it has led to other looting in Minneapolis. It's 
led to protests in many different American cities across the country. Uh, obviously, Atlanta has been on the news for some of these as well. Uh, and, you know, it's been really interesting to see the different footage that has gone on as this has kind of unraveled. And to give you the whole picture, basically it started with some really disturbing images of looting a target. And uh, this target uh, was just destroyed. I mean, the employees were basically being pushed out of the way. Uh, there were fires going on in the in the target. I mean, it was it was legitimately like a scene out of a movie when all hell breaks loose. And people were really upset that there was looting going on. That was one thing that has been really it's been really highlighted and for for good reason thievery is you know no matter how you slice it it's it's incorrect and you know it, it's it's unfortunate that some people have to be in position to resort to thievery and i think that's probably the bigger picture but the fact that thievery was going on in the form of looting caused a lot of uproar and so, fast forward, there was some tweets from the American president, and he basically was quoted as saying that if there's looting, there will be shooting. And to add more controversy onto all of this, you've got the fact that Twitter, the source that the American president tends to use to say these kind of things, he was actually censored somewhat in the form of they basically put an asterisk next to his tweet. And so he made some claims about uh, Mellon voting and Twitter basically fact checked him. And that led to a lot of people uh, being enraged at Twitter deciding to, quote unquote, censor uh, the American president. So. You've got these riots going on at the same time as social media companies are censoring uh, pol politicians. And, and whether or not uh, one would agree with the fact that it is censorship, uh, it's definitely a form of editing because they're, they're adding on to what he, was, he originally stated. And it's just unique. Because we we don't really see that happen anywhere. I mean, that's not something that's that's right. Like, how many times has my audience tweeted, or somebody in my audience tweeted, and then some somehow like Twitter like slaps on a, a disclaimer with their tweet? That's not something that typically happens. So the fact that they did it to the American president is quite surprising and quite disturbing to some people. And so the reason why it's disturbing to some people is because it is a company basically enforcing their viewpoints by saying, hey, here's, here's something that you didn't think about, even though you tweeted about it. And, and they're adding that on to his, his tweet. So 
it's not something that these social media companies do to anybody else, but they particularly chose uh, the American president. And so it, it is causing a lot of people to look at social media and say, wait a minute, should you have any kind of control on whether or not something is true, but I tweeted it. Because if you're going to fact check his tweets, or if you're going to add on disclaimers on his tweets, why aren't you doing it to everybody's tweets? And so it's a, it's a very slippery slope. And so one would counter argue, okay, well, they are the president of the United States. They should have credible information that they are passing on to their people. And you're right. But what if what he's posting is true from a certain point of view? How do you argue that your point of view is better or that your point of view is correct? And if you're going to do that to everybody's tweets, then what is freedom of speech? And why is Twitter able to do this in the capacity that it's able to do this, even the most powerful people in the world? And that's a very strong argument. So I think that there's a lot of validity for being upset that Twitter has made such a critical move to edit slash censure a American president's tweets. But I want to also give you the other point of view of, hey, if you, if you say something that's wrong, then you shouldn't be able to completely parade that around. Because when you're parading around conspiracy theories, when you're parading around things that are probably not going to be accepted by most people because it does sound like a conspiracy theory, then why should we not edit the fact that, hey, here's the conspiracy theory that this person is tweeting about, but here's a fact check on it. And it, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of strange because it's not like presidents have, have not lied before. I mean... You know, Donald Trump is not the first president to lie before. So why does Twitter get to now say, hold on, hold on. We're we're going to cherry pick this president and say, hey, anything that you say, we're going to fact check it. And if it goes against what we have evidence of, uh, we're going to go ahead and flag this tweet. And then once again we we originally started by talking about these riots that are going on and these protests that are going on so you've got all that going on with donald trump's tweets and now he tweets about the looters and once again the the tweet was quoted as being saying or saying you know if you're if there's looting there will be shooting you know so twitter went another step further not only have they edited the american president's tweets now they have straight up like hid them and once he said that it sem it basically twitter said that it was kind of inciting violence and so they legitimately hid donald trump's tweet and then the white house retweeted it so it, w it became visible again which was kind of like a you know, a middle finger to Twitter. And, oh yeah, Donald Trump has signed an executive order discussing trying to basically block uh, Twitter from, from being held liable 
from these kind of tweets. So basically, if Twitter's if Twitter's not liable for what you tweet, then you can legitimately tweet like anything. It's freedom of speech, which is there, there's obviously a certain things that apply to, to you still can't tweet about them. You know what I mean? Like if it's illegal, I mean, it's still like not something you can tweet about. But like I said, man, th- this has been a very insane time uh, to watch all this go down. And, you know, do people have a reason to be upset at Donald Trump and how fast he reacted to Twitter compared to how fast he reacted uh, versus the pandemic? That's a that's a good question. I mean. Donald Trump did react extremely quick and a couple of things I want to highlight. He did ban uh, travel from China uh, quite, quite rapidly. That was, was probably one of the best things he did if we were scared about, you know, people from China coming, which it might have been too late still. Uh, but it, it was still earlier than a lot of people wanted. And another thing that Donald Trump did that was positive was uh, he got the $1,200 checks out, the refund checks to a lot of people. Now, did he get it to all the correct people? I mean, obviously that's debatable. Did it? Is it enough? Obviously that's debatable. But it's something that has not really happened before in our country. And so the fact that he was willing to do that, I think that that is uh, what we would kind of qualify as a good thing. And so then there's obviously talk about a second stimulus check uh, that is really gaining a lot of steam. And so... It's really interesting to look at uh, his presidency lately, and, and you know, I, I think obviously the verdict will be out on whether or not this executive order even holds up. Uh, but, you know, it's if we're trying to be realistic and looking at multiple points of view, you know, there has been a lack of response in a lot of ways, but there has been a a positive response in a few ways, and so you know, it's important to. Just not get so locked into, you're always right, you're always right, you're always right, or you're always wrong, you're always wrong, you're always wrong. I mean, you know, that's that's a very a, a very dangerous line of thinking. And, you know, let's talk about the result of some of these riots that we're seeing and these protests that we're seeing. It's really interesting because there's a lot of people talking about some of these protests are turning violent and they're turning a little bit more extreme because there's people like throwing glass they're throwing you know basically incendiary items like uh maybe uh basically they're starting fires by throwing things in windows and all of a sudden there's looting that happens after that and so the protest or you know the gathering may be kind of boiling or at a simmering point and then there's these people that just gaslight it and Some of these people, you know, there's rumors that they're hired. And even Donald Trump has kind of mentioned that some of these protesters and some of these uh, some of these quote unquote looters are paid. And guys, that is a. Oh, my goodness, that is a dark thought. I mean, think about that for a second. There is a movement to try to get more attention to the fact that innocent people are being killed by the police 
and the majority of them happen to be African-American or brown. And unfortunately, there are people that are infiltrating this group and causing chaos. And then the, the peaceful pro protesters are basically being, they're, they're being hijacked. What they believe in and what they're trying to protest for, that idea is being hijacked by people that are outside of, of the faction. You know, and that's a dark thought. And I don't know that anybody is necessarily going to believe that as well. I mean, think about that for a second. Because it sounds like a conspiracy theory. And it, it sounds, you know, if you read about this on the internet right now, there's people that don't believe this. They think that literally all the looters are 100% legitimate. They believe that all the protesters are 100% legitimate. And we're not, we're not sure that that's the case. And if you follow the history of the way politics usually works, there are people that are paid to protest. That is kind of how lobbying works, right? There are people that are paid to uh, gather in groups and cause chaos. Um, we have seen evidence of this in a lot of different ways. In fact, you know, obviously, the reason why social media companies are such a widely debated topic is some people believe that social media uh, companies such as Facebook are used in positive and negative ways to gain attention for certain political campaigns and, and, and certain political candidates. So it's, it's a really shady world that we do live in. And I think we do have to re realize that. And I think that that does give validity to the idea that, Hey, not every one of these looters, not every one of these protesters is legitimate. There are some of these people that are there and they're probably escalating this because, you know, unfortunately they may be paid to do that. It may be in their best self-interest. And the idea that people are being paid to protest and do these, uh, these different kind of forms of, of riots and, and kind of escalating things, even if you read into some of the, the news articles that have come out about uh, the protesters in Michigan across the country, as, as well as, you know, across the country, not just Michigan. You know, some of these people believe that uh, these people that were saying, hey, we want to go back to work, they were paid to say that. And so, like I said, it's it's not out of this world. I think it is something that you know, people should definitely be informed about and, you know, do with it what you want with the information. Um, does that make the looting and the excessive burning of buildings and, and things of that nature, does that make it okay? No, I, I don't think it's okay at all. I think that that's probably the worst part about all this, right? And and hopefully the reason why those things are happening, if, if you want to believe in the best in people, uh, and unfortunately, that brings out the worst in people sometimes, too, then maybe hopefully they are being infiltrated. Uh, and, and hopefully it's not just all about making chaos. And unfortunately, when you know, when you look at the African-American point of view, uh, it, it's hard not to be angry because, you know, if you want to be frank about this, it's, it's you know, I haven't necessarily talked about this too much i haven't given public statements about it and i guess it's about time to do that but we have had problems with 
you know, race relations, uh, including with the police. It's been very well documented. There's been Klansmen that have operated in the police uh, forces across the country. And there's been notable, you know, people that are neo-Nazis that are affiliated with the police. That is not a lie. I mean, all you have to do is just look into it. It's, it's something that you can easily look into yourself. And I can, obviously, if you guys in the comments want me to pull up sources, I can pull up sources for you. But it's one of those things that we have to acknowledge that, yeah, not 100% of cops have the best interest of everybody. And it's unfortunate. And when one, some of those cops or one of those cops acts with those beliefs and kills somebody, it, it's a tragedy. And we have to all kind of recognize that. And we do. That's, that's the best part about the United States. We have. Most people realize if a person gets murdered and they're trying to, like, give themselves up, we all have watched movies where that has been something that's sad. Do you not realize that we think the same thing in real life? If a person that's innocent gets murdered, that is sad. It doesn't really matter, you know, who it is if we don't even know the person. If they haven't been doing anything to provoke force that makes them die, then that is, that is something that we don't necessarily enjoy as human beings. And I think that that was the reaction of most people. Sure, you have people that are not into certain races and don't respect them. Sure, but that's not most people. Not everybody is like that. And unfortunately, we have these cases where there are a small percentage of cops that align with those particular beliefs and they, they kill people that are innocent. And it happens to, to everybody. It, it, it's just the, a lot of the time it does happen to brown people and African-Americans. And what can we do about it as, as a society? I think we have to continue to, to, to say that we're unhappy about it. It's not the fact that it's a racial thing. It's the fact that we cannot have the people that are protecting us killing innocent people. And if we start at that central idea, I think everybody can agree on the race part like, hey, if you single out a group of people, that's even worse. Like, that's even worse, right? So, so we want to make sure that, hey, not only do we single out or not only do we, do we get rid of, you know, killing innocent people, let's not single anybody out either. Let, let's completely try to fix that as a society and, and frown on that. And, and as the next generation grows older and as we continue to, you know, see society mature, you know, that will become hopefully a thing of the past. And I understand the anger. I mean, it, it, I mean I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I'm excited when I see blue lights behind me. If I see uh, blue lights or any kind of flashing lights behind me, I'm a little alerted. You know, I mean, that's just the way it's always been. Uh, and that is not to, to be disrespectful towards the police. I I don't even know if it's, you know, something that I, that I could have changed because, you know, the, the history of, you know, African-Americans and brown people with the police is not necessarily a happy-go-lucky one. And unfortunately, even looking at the history of 
slavery, you, you got to remember the idea of, of police and a lot of things were, were, were to hunt down slaves that ran away. And so when you look at the entire picture of police relations with, with brown people, with black people, there's three that leads up to today that it, it's not so great. And so we have to try to improve on it. And it's not easy because nobody really has the right answer to that. You know, I've read different people say things like cops should get a criminal justice degree. And that seems like it's going to make a lot of people not want to be cops. And we already have a shortage of cops to protect us in a lot of different areas. And that that's kind of hard to see that being fixed if we make harder requirements to become police officers like a college degree. And who's to say that a criminal justice degree is the standard for understanding you know, whether or not some person should be arrested or you should, you know, use force on somebody. Um, it just seems like maybe there's something in the actual training that is, or, or maybe it's the way we recruit people. Um, I don't know. Because I've met really, really awesome cops that I've worked with. I've met people that are police officers that are not shady people. And that are great people. And so not every cop is a bad cop. And so with all of this kind of working together, I don't want to say that it's, you know, broken forever and that we can never fix it. But I, I do think that, you know, we, we do need to probably make some, some changes to the way that we do certain things. And starting with society saying, hey, that, that's not okay. You know, if everybody's saying that together, then we usually fix it. Like, that's the coolest thing about the United States. You know, we, we tend to have problems every single generation. And we will have problems uh, until, you know, probably the end of time. But the coolest thing, like I said, about America is that we usually fix them. Like, we, we recognize the problem as a group of people. And we say, hey, let's fix this, whether it's voting, whether it's a new president changing things, whether it's the current president changing things, whether it's a group of people changing things. But we usually fix things. And I refuse to believe that we won't fix this problem. I refuse to believe that we won't fix the the pandemic problem because our country is resilient. And the world is resilient. Humans are resilient. And when you get a bunch of them on the same page, and, and it seems like I said a lot of people in America are on the same page, hey, you know, we shouldn't murder innocent people. So let's start there. And let's all kind of come together from that. And, you know, from, from that point on, I think that we will make a positive change. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it, it's it's tough to see the same story go on and um you know like i said it, it's it's one of those things that if we do want to change i think it starts with us as a people as a society saying hey let's come together let's say that that's wrong and we'll fix things from there but there has been so many heavy things going on like i said it was just so exciting to bring you guys 
uh, the SpaceX NASA collaboration launch into space. I mean, wow. I'm still in all of that. And uh, I hope you guys watch it. If you haven't watched it, like I said, you know, right after you're done with this podcast, all right? <laughs> but watch some footage of it. And uh, while you're at it, check out some clips of our previous podcast. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Our YouTube channel is completely rebranded. So that way you can go ahead and check out the clips that you want and uh, all the things that you want to check out and listen to. Uh, they're all categorized and labeled, so you should definitely check it out. Uh, but, you know, there there are some positive things going on. And once again, this this NASA launch is hopefully going to be one of those things that jumpstarts uh, everybody uh, to being excited about uh, future things that may get better and uh, hopefully positive change. But uh, looking at some other things going on in the world, guys, we've obviously got uh, the big news about the NBA potentially coming back and being played in Florida. And let me tell you, as a Laker fan, I'm excited. Uh, if you told me that the Lakers have a chance to get a banner this year, another ring this year, oh, we sign me up because let's be honest. The Lakers have unfinished business this season. We've got AD and LeBron teaming up for the first year ever. We've got all the young guys basically traded outside of uh, what Kyle Kuzma, who, Hey, Kyle Kuzma can ball, even though he's got that slim shady uh, dyed, you know, hair going on that bleach. Uh, Kuzma can ball. And I think that if the playoffs come back, hopefully he's had time to get his mind right about his new role, about being a number three slash sometimes a number four, somebody else goes off. But man, I think that the Lakers have the potential to run the table. And I'm excited about it. Uh, there's been talk of a 20 team return or a 24 team return. It doesn't matter. You know, pull up that LeBron meme. 24 teams, 22 teams, 20 teams, it don't matter. Lakers in four, okay? That's what I'm talking about here. And I cannot wait to see the season come back. Uh, hopefully it begins with the playoffs, uh, unless they do some kind of 24-team playoff or whatever, or 20-team playoff, that would be cool too. But like I said, I'm just excited to hopefully see the Lakers get one more chance at bringing a ring, another title to Los Angeles. I mean, we haven't really been in the playoffs in a long time, and it would be something that would be uplifting for the city, especially seeing all the news about how that particular city, Los Angeles, has been affected and impacted by the pandemic, all the businesses that have been shut down. It, it would be something that would be up, uplifting for that community. So I'm hoping for it. Um, I'm biased, obviously. But like I said, I'm hoping that the NBA season returns. And we'll go from there. On to another team that you might be interested in, especially with us being based out of Nashville. And uh, you might recognize one of the shirts that I've got on. Uh, I believe it was given out at one of the games. No fly zone here. Uh, but basically, the NHL season is also potentially on schedule to return. And what's interesting about this is their return to play plan is going to have a big format in which 24 teams will return to play to basically play for the Stanley Cup. And Nashville seems to be in line at a chance 
to play in these playoffs. Now, the format's going to be a little weird. There's going to be a round robin. There's going to be a qualifying round, uh, first and second round, and then conference finals in the Stanley Club. So there, there's a lot to, to win. It's going to be a little bit of an endurance. It's not necessarily like a sprint. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a lot more about can you get back into it? Can you be dominant on the ice when it's right? You don't want to peak at the wrong time. And the Predators are going to have a lot of interesting decisions to make whether or not they're going to start a veteran at goalie or whether or not they're going to start uh, maybe somebody who's a little bit more unproven in the goalie position, uh, especially in the playoffs. And so UC Soros has the potential to, as fans would say, and a lot of fans are vocalizing this, start when the Nashville Predators take the ice in this return to play plan. Now, obviously, Pecorine uh, is well-respected in Nashville, well-loved in Nashville. But a lot of fans are calling for Pecorine to basically be pushed aside for the remainder of this run. And the crowd is calling for UC Soros right now. I mean, I can hear him right now. You, I mean, seriously. So the Predators are also going to have some interesting decisions. Like, do they call anybody up? Potentially even some coaching assistants. Uh, the interesting thing is the Nashville Predators, uh, let's go ahead and pull up their feeder uh, basically, their minor team, their affiliate. Uh, but uh, let's see. The Nashville Predators affiliates uh, have been doing pretty well. Uh, the Milwaukee Admirals uh, have seen some success. And, and it's, you know, a lot, I, I've heard some Preds fans talk about potentially uh, looking at some of these coaches and bringing them up since uh, the affiliate season will presumably not continue and basically add more people to the coaching staff to potentially uh, help the team. I'm not sure that uh, that would necessarily be a requirement for the Predators to make a run to the Stanley Cup. I think it would help. I think the more eyes that you have on your staff, the better you are. Uh, but I think that it all comes down ultimately to the players on the ice. And I think that if whoever is in goalie, whether it's UC Soros, whether it's Pecorine, you know, I think that that's ultimately what's going to matter more. And if they can figure out their goalie problem, I think that they will find a way to generate some offense uh, in the new scheme that they are continuing to get better at. And you got to assume, you know, they're going to have, you know, just about as much time as everybody else is to get ready and prepare. And people may still be adjusting to their own scheme while adjusting to the Preds' new scheme. So is there a schematic advantage to maybe a midseason change up the way they did? I guess we'll see. Are they going to be able to generate goals in the power play? Because that is the number one complaint of every Nashville Preds fan. Once again, that is to be seen. But... There's a lot of things to look forward to as this uh, pandemic somewhat seems to pivot to some positive things. 
Uh, and obviously there are more confirmed cases. That is not something to necessarily neglect, uh, but there are some more confirmed cases in certain areas. Uh, potentially, I believe Tennessee is uh, at number one right now um, in the nation um, in, in some metric of, I believe it was uh, new cases. Uh, so uh, let me go ahead and fact check that. Leads the nation in new cases. Because I don't want to give you guys the wrong information, um, you know. Uh, but see this article. Oh yeah, here we go. The Tennessee County. Okay, so there's a county that leads nations in uh, cur uh, in, in the pandemic virus per capita. Uh, but you know, our state is definitely making strides in certain areas. I know we've basically picked up things in certain parts of the state, uh, and and hopefully everybody else across the world is seeing some positive things happen. Uh, and, you know, the one thing to continue to remind you uh, is, hey, you know, there's always there's always somewhat of a, you know, a negative uh, before there's a positive. You know, there's unfortunately, you know, there's times where there's a crash, but we have those crashes because when we uh, have those those insane highs, right? Those insane peaks, those insane uh, accomplishments. It feels so awesome, like the one that we were witnessing earlier today. And uh, I, I think that at the end of this, you know, goodness willing, we all make it. And those of us that are still battling it will fight through it. But goodness willing, we'll be able to succeed and see some more amazing accomplishments that we all can make when, when we put our minds to it. But thank you guys so much for joining us, whether you are listening uh, on YouTube, watching live with us throughout this entire event. We appreciate you guys so much and uh, looking forward to bringing you guys some more guests uh, in the next couple of weeks as things continue to pick up. Uh, but thank you guys so much for joining us and hopefully you enjoyed the show. Have a great rest of the day, evening, 